Today, democracy can ebb away in communities whose citizens allow power to become concentrated in the hands of bosses. What I say goes, see? I'm the law around here. <laughs> Welcome to Amnesty TV. In this episode, Dr. Philip Hodson pinpoints the telltale signs that you might be turning into a mad, ruthless dictator. Staying with insanity, we wonder how anyone in their right mind could give the Taliban a second chance. It's quiz time. Gay punishment. Which of these unspeakable acts is the official punishments for sex between two men in Iran? Is it flogging? Is it castration? Is it rape? Is it death? Find out at the end of the show. Invaded Afghanistan in 2001, we promised that defence of human rights would be a top priority. Ten years after, the overthrow of the Taliban! <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> there have been some advances for women in Afghanistan, but these gains could be compromised as leaders of the Taliban are being brought to the negotiating table. <laughs> It's like getting rid of the world's worst flatmate, only to have them move back in again, ten years later. And they still haven't changed. <laughs> the Taliban devastated women's rights in Afghanistan. No other regime in the world has forced half of its population into virtual house arrest. Preventing women from showing their faces, seeking medical care, attending school, or even participating in politics. Plus, the Taliban always uses up all the milk. <laughs> and they never take the bins out! <sighs> no, it's fine, I'll do it, whatever. While living with the Taliban, fewer than one million children attended school. Almost none of them were girls. But in 2008 to 2009, more than five million children attended school, more than a third of whom were girls. But even now, the Taliban continue to attack girls' education. 74 schools were destroyed or closed down from March to December 2010 as a result of violence. 26 of those were girls' schools. Imagine what will happen if the Taliban get back into power. <laughs> Living with the Taliban means they target women who are active in political life. But since the Taliban was overthrown, 40% of voters are female. 
and 27% of parliamentary seats are held by women. Ha! Currently in Afghanistan, women have freedom of movement and are allowed to drive cars. But when you're living with the Taliban, you're banned from leaving the house unless chaperoned by a mahram, a male blood relative. Oh, come on! I've got to go down the shop! <laughs> From the start, we've got no bloody milk left. Or bin bags. <sighs> you can't have national security without women's security. You can't have peace when women are too scared to walk the streets. The biggest threat to the peace and security of Afghanistan is just around the corner if governments trade away women's rights with the Taliban. It's insane. To find out more, go to amnesty.org.uk forward slash women. For decades, politicians in the Middle East have battled over the borders that surround Israel. But for ordinary people who actually live there, the daily fight is for a normal life, whatever that is. My name is Kidane, Kidane Isal. Uh, I'm from Eritrea and uh, 25 years old. They told us to, to take us to the border with Israel. That is the most difficult and very risk journey, you know, it's kind of life and death. Because there are Egyptian border guards in front of us and Sinai on our back, you know. We used to hear them talking to each other in Arabic. So imagine how scary situation that we had that time. Very scary. There is one Egyptian fence and then Israeli fence. And then if you want to uh, jump this, uh, these two fences, then you are in Israel. We were told to run. You have to take off your shoes and also the women has to feed the, their children so as not to cry. They once cry or yell, then the border guards will automatically recognize us and then they may shoot. The only choice is just run and penetrate and jump over the barbed wire or fences to save your life. Korimli Murad Abatsi, from Lebanon. I to the time of the Arab היינו בדרום לבנון משנת 78 עד שנת 2000. היינו שם, נלחם אחד, יעני, אני וחייל. זה מצב, אני לא, יעני, לא אוהב לדבר על זה. קשה. מי רחוק על העין, הוא רחוק על הלב. קצת קצת, זה. בסוף, אתה עזב את המדינה שלך. וזה, יש, זה כואב. بس أم لا صوت حيم ممشي لا ما يشعرك بأرض لا عرق بشوط ما يودع إخذه شتينه زي لا لا لخ يعني إتنه عسينه مفعل بو عرق إمتين معنا بيم مو بلبنان بكل مدينة زي أخشاب شم عرق النمرات خضار لازم يلا لا خيم
My name is Shifa Abu Jabal and I live in Majd al-Shams in the occupied Syrian Golan. We are away from Damascus like 60 minutes by car. So we're practically home. The reason why we don't mix a lot is because of the occupation and the geography of the place. We have <laughs> uh, at least five weddings a week and sometimes more than one wedding a day. You have limited number of males that you can just know and get along with. And now people don't marry anymore like cousins. It's not acceptable. People would prefer not doing it. So you end up with like seven, eight guys you can marry and you have to fall in love with someone of them. Uh, so it's, it's not easy in here. Taking in consideration my chances to get married after all my activism, I think I will marry someone but not from the community. Or it will be very hard for me to marry someone from the community. It's hard for people to accept the way I am because it's not traditional. Once you're different, it comes with consequences. And marriage or chances of marriage are, are one of these consequences. Welcome to Amnesty News. Campaigners round the world made a desperate last-ditch effort to save the life of death row prisoner Troy Anthony Davis when his final plea for clemency was rejected. But their efforts failed. He was executed by lethal injection on Wednesday the 21st of September. Officials in the US state of Georgia had approved the execution of what could turn out to be an innocent man. On the 20th of September, the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles rejected a clemency plea from Troy Davis, who'd been on death row for more than 20 years. Troy Davis's claims of innocence had attracted international attention. Nearly a million people around the world signed a petition calling for the execution to be stopped. And until the last minute, campaigners across the USA and in other countries held vigils in solidarity with the condemned man. Long before the board met to consider Troy Davis's fate, the case against him had fallen apart. Davis was convicted in August 1991 of killing an off-duty policeman called Mark Allen McPhail. There was no physical evidence linking him to the crime. The conviction was based on the evidence of nine witnesses. And since the trial, seven of the nine have sworn new statements that recanted or changed their original testimony. A pattern of police coercion of witnesses before the trial was exposed in an Amnesty International report in 2007. Since then, 10 people have identified another man as responsible for the murder of Mark McPhail. And this alternative suspect was one of the witnesses who testified against Troy in the original trial. The hundreds of thousands of people who supported clemency in this case included the Pope, former President Jimmy Carter and a former FBI director. Even three jurors from his original trial asked for the execution to be called off. But the Georgia Parole Board ignored them all. Amnesty International was shocked by the decision. Over 3,200 prisoners are currently on death row in the USA. Last year, the USA executed 46 death row inmates. That's less than in recent years, but still the fifth highest number of any country. Since 1973, 138 prisoners have been released from death row in the USA because they were found to be innocent. Research shows consistently that the death penalty in the USA is used disproportionately against African Americans and the poor. African Americans account for about 12% of the US population, but they made up 43% of death row inmates in 2003 and about 34% of prisoners executed. 
I'm Bridget Nzeku, and that's the Amnesty News. In 55 BC, the Romans invaded this country under an insanely ambitious general called Julius. He became the world's first official dictator, or Caesar, until he got himself assassinated. Now, psychology can offer two insights into the mindset of such dictators. First, to win supreme power, any ruler must almost certainly possess an abnormal personality. And secondly, having obtained such power, the process of exercising it will almost certainly damage that personality further. Or, to put it another way, all power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What does it mean to call a personality abnormal? There's one tongue-in-cheek definition. In August 2004, the magazine New Scientist suggested that people who are strongly self-loving, goal-driven, with a tendency to disregard the feelings of others are called psychopaths if they are violent and successful businessmen if they are not. History teaches us that most dictators are prone to violence. For instance, a 2009 psychological profile compared the personality traits of the North Korean dear leader Kim Jong-il with those of Saddam Hussein and Adolf Hitler. In all three cases, the tyrants achieved nearly identical scores for tendencies towards sadism, paranoia, narcissism, antisocial behaviour and types of split personality. And if you put this simply, it means they enjoyed being cruel, they had massive egos, they cared little for human suffering, had no genuine friends, believed everyone was plotting against them, and rewarded nearly all acts of treachery with death. In the worst cases, of course, dictators have slaughtered entire populations. No one was left standing. The idea that possessing arbitrary power over others can bring out the inner Stalin in anyone is supported by the famous 1971 Stanford Prison Experiment, in which students randomly assigned to be guards in a makeshift prison became so abusive that the entire study had to be shut down after seven days. This was an echo of the previous Milgram study at Yale University, which had earlier showed that almost any citizen can be turned into a torturer. But how can you be delusional and yet keep your grip on power? By exhibiting abnormal degrees of animal cunning. You can rule by fear, Stalin, Saddam Hussein, by offering rewards to an elite, Mubarak, Mugabe, by the cult of personality, Castro or Hirohito in Japan even, or a mix of all three, Hitler, Pol Pot, Ceausescu, Nyatsov, the list is practically endless. What we cannot hope is that a dictatorship will speedily collapse under the weight of its own lunacy. Look at North Korea. Malevolent dictators are insanely tenacious, and the evidence from psychology suggests that benevolent dictatorship is not just unusual, it's unlikely. The authorities in Iran dish out all sorts of punishments for gay sex, but did you guess which is the official one? It's death. Rape and floggings have all been reported, but it's not in the official penal code. So that's all right then. Sunshine, lollipops and rainbows, everything that's wonderful is what I think.